The written interview is available on GamerHeadquarters.com or in a video format on YouTube SkyCaptain5. A staple I do in all interviews in order to start things off is to ask that you elaborate a bit about your work and this particular role for those not familiar with it. I am Emily Wozeller, and I am a voiceover actor, um, as well as stage actor, dancer, singer. We're here because I recently played Pan Am in Cyberpunk 2077. So in Cyberpunk 2077, you provide the voice for Pan Am Palmer. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a bit about the character and the situation she finds herself in? Well, I think that depends a little bit on gameplay. but so And I can't comment on that. But I can say that she is a very um, rough-edged, loyal human, uh, human who is part of the Aldecaldas and um, lives outside of Night City and uh, really loves her machinery <laughs> and, and her people. Um, so yeah, various adventures may ensue. That's true. So with a game like Cyberpunk 2077, players have their choice of character customization. Did the V character you're potentially chatting with have any impact on how you were aiming to deliver your lines? Well, characterization, as I understand, and I, I actually haven't had a chance to play the game yet myself, um, but as I understand, that's, that's all aesthetic. Um, as far as the, well, and of course you have choices for how you might respond to a situation, mm-hmm. right? But, um, so when we recorded and when we, were, when we were working out what scenes may happen, we... Pan Am responds to each possible scenario. So in that sense, yeah. yes. But in terms of like what a player might make themselves look like, no. Okay. Uh, yeah, only in, only in terms of the actions that a character takes would that determine the path that you would take with Pan Am. When preparing to voice Pan Am, <clears throat> were you given any initial direction in regards to the character, just in terms of any examples of prep work, prep work to get into the mindset of this particular performance? Yes and no. Uh, so it wasn't like I was given the whole script beforehand and then had a, even any time to prepare before you get into the studio, but that's, that's pretty typical um, of situations like this. One, because of uh, confidentiality concerns, but then also it's just because of the way the workflow happens, I think, often for, for things like video games and animation where, um, you know, when I got into the room and uh, during the audition process, I was given some information about who, uh, what, what kind of characteristics she has. Um, and then once we were in the room, I mean, with the director, he was the one who provided information about what was happening and with whom, and it was um, it was it was go time. So, yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, very instinctual um, performance that is that is directed by or con- uh, directed by the director. So, <laughs> yeah, um, they help to shape you know, what, what direction to take the performance in. But I, I did not do any pre-work with any lines that were given to me beforehand. Um, it was all in the studio that the work happened. 
Okay, so that somewhat goes into my next question as well. Uh, just to build on the previous question, were you aware what type of game this was going to be ahead of going into Perform It? You know, the whole cyberpunk universe, did you have any idea it would be futuristic to any degree? I mean, I didn't know, I didn't know really what I was auditioning for. Um, it wasn't until we had booked the job that I was given mm. any information on what the what the what the uh, game was, and then yeah, I was familiar. I'm familiar with the, yeah. the not Cyberpunk 2077, but Cyberpunk in general as a as a genre and a concept. What do you think of the genre of Cyberpunk in general? Um, I mean, I it's fascinating. Um, it feels very natural. It feels very adja- closely adjacent to our world now. Um, so it doesn't feel like a really big stretch. It seems like a natural extension of where one might go if they were thinking about what um, a potential future mm-hmm. um, to keep an eye out for. And I mean, this is obviously this was based on the on the role playing game from back in the eighties, was it? I, I believe around uh, that period, yes. Yeah. Um, so, and even before then, th- this concept has been around for a long time, right? Um, we just keep inching closer and closer to that reality. <laughs> so, Ever so I don't close. know how close we were back in the '80s, but certainly now, it feels forty years later, it feels like we're we're quite close. Hopefully, yeah. it'll be a little less dystopian, but you know. Hopefully, that that is the hope. So when performing the role, were there any particular lines or moments that really stuck out to you, whether that's a behind-the-scenes moment or from the dialogue? You know, we had been doing a lot of her really big scene, her really um, big is the wrong word, her very loud scenes where she's just like right up in in somebody's face about something. And, um, and then we got to do a scene uh, in the cabin or at the bar um, that all of a sudden we just got to go super intimate and that was really special. I felt like that was like, that felt unusual to me to get to do that range with her. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they let me do it and they encouraged me to do it um, so that it wasn't just her being big and bold and out there all the time that you also just got to see her when she's like, Hey, you know what? I'm done with the day. I just want to like kick back. So you felt there was like a good balance and just in terms of range of those like softer moments and those more intense Pan Am freak out moments totally, too. Totally. Totally. Yeah. So what's it like to see your voice attached to a game character? Um, I mean, I love this job. Uh, I feel very proud to be a part of this, obviously. Um, this is the biggest game, certainly, that I've been involved in yet. Um, but, yeah, so it's it's exciting. It's exciting. With that, there's been a lot of praise that I've seen for Pan Am. Were you surprised by the fan reaction? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going in there to do the job. <laughs> and I loved her. I mean, and the director loved her. Everybody loved her. Like, she was obviously a really cool character. And we were like, yeah, we get to do more man out. So we would get in there and, and do it and have a lot of fun. But I definitely was not thinking about how it was going to be received in any kind of way. It was just like, I mean, but that's the way that I approach um, any job is I don't need to worry about 
how it's going, the reaction that people are going to have necessarily. Um, I mean, unless there's like something seriously upsetting about the content. Mm-hmm. Um, for the most part, my job is to just deliver really well on as the best of my ability, however, whether that's well or not, but to the best of my ability, whatever the, the, the task is or whatever the, the project is, and then let it go, you know, and then it's what people think of it is what people think of it. But Yeah, that's fair. Do you see yourself interested in additional game-related performances in the future? I imagine so. Uh, yeah, I still have my agent. It's uh, been ongoing work. This is not... Um, mm-hmm. I've been in the voiceover industry for... 15 years. So yeah, I don't okay. intend to leave anytime soon. <laughs> no, 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 fair oh. enough. I'm just thinking more game focused stuff. I guess for yeah. those that might, you know, not know of your works, what are a few other voiceover characters that they might know you from? Sure. Um, so I started in Hong Kong. Um, and while I was living out there, I dubbed for anime and excuse me, also some live action work um, and and then various voiceover things, commercials and government messages and things like that. But the majority of our work out there was in anime dubbing. So um, there were a number of shows. I mean, we did a show every single week, an entire season. So um, my melody, Jinban Kaleidoscope, um, Yaktate, uh, Fate Stay Night. Um, uh, oh gosh, <laughs> oh, oh, off the top of my head, I'm like, I mean, this is a long time ago now. Yeah. But and then I came to the states and I did some Pokemon dubbing for Pokemon. Um, I was in the movie X Y. Uh, I played the princess character in that. And then in the one season of the show, I was Bryony. Um, and then in 2009, I picked up audiobooks and started to do that full time in 2012. So the majority of my work has been in audiobooks. I've recorded about 500 titles, I think, wow. so far. Yeah. So it's been it's been that's that's been the bulk of my my focus, but. Like I said, I, I, ha- I do have an agent for um, for animation and voice and uh, video game and commercial work. Yeah, um, I was recently in The Last of Us 2. I was uh, just a few random characters, no major character there, but I was in that game. Oh. Um, yeah, and then um, many years ago, there was a game called Sync. I think it was S-I-N-C. Um, I never, they never got too much information about it, but... I played a general in that game. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So those are, I think those are sort of the major, major things that are the other voiceover work that I've done. Yeah. Okay. So would you be interested in reprising the role of Pan Am if she were to appear in some future cyberpunk expansion or some other form of medium for the cyberpunk? Oh yeah. I would love to do her forever. Man, she's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. Any chance I could, if I were offered, I would, for sure. Have you seen the character in action in any way, like gameplay-wise? Have you? Yeah, so I, I have seen, I mean, obviously there's a lot of in, uh, video up on like YouTube and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's actually quite a bit um, 
So it was really cool to see the visual. I had no idea that she was going to be drawn or animated so beautifully. So when I saw her for the first time, I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so I've got, I've gotten to see several scenes that are, that are fully fleshed out and, and people put up on YouTube. That's been cool. Great. Okay. So uh, lastly, I would like to leave a spot for you to go over anything I might've missed or say something you'd like to mention. Yeah. um, So I recently produced um, a romance and erotica short story collection. I know. I know. Um, I I have a co-producer. It's me and Gabra Zachman is her name. Um, She and I actually did an AMA last week, a week and a half ago. Um, And the, the show is called, or the season is called Nice and Naughty. Good figure. I know, I know. The premise is that, it, here's the thing, it's, it's really cool, actually. So each episode, there's five episodes in the whole season. Each episode is 45 minutes long, about. And the first half is a romance, so it's sort of light and, and fun. You get to know the characters. And the second half is the erotica. So it's a morning to, uh, a romance to sweeten your morning coffee and then an erotica to spice up your evening wine. So you can choose if you feel like one or the other is not really for you. You can just skip that chapter and move on to the next part. We've kept it really clean and separate so that if you're not comfortable with one or the other, there's a way for you to do that. And then in between, there's um, a very silly double entendre recipe that's connected to the story as well. So we find it a lot of fun. It's based in, uh, the story is based in Sunnyside, Queens, which is where Gabra is based. And so it's hugely diverse and um, just really fun. There's just constant action and interaction. And so, yeah, that's something that we did. And that's available anywhere that you can get audiobooks. So the whole thing runs four and a half hours. It's not a long commitment. And you can also get individual episodes if you want to. Okay. Well, thanks for coming and talking about Cyberpunk. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. The written interview is available on GamerHeadquarters.com or in a video format on YouTube Sky Captain 5.